Welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name's Greg, and I am hosting this episode. Mm-hmm. Joining me around our table today is Pastor Andy. Hey, Greg. It's good to be with you today. Pastor Jonathan. I'm in love. And Pastor Jeff. Hi, Greg. It's good to be here today. We brought Jonathan here today to give us some feedback regarding why it is that some worship music sounds an awful lot like Jesus is our boyfriend. Don't get me started. Oh, that's awful. That's so bad. Sweet Holy Spirit. Jonathan, it's great to have you here. It's good to be here. Is this the first time you guys have been on the podcast together? Yes. Have you been on the podcast before, Jonathan? Oh, in yeah. my absence. In your, in your, I took your stead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I was pretty spectacular. Wow, that's like... Uh, Greg, did you mention what episode this is? Uh, 273. Okay, episode sorry. 273. Sorry, guys, we can continue now. Oh, sure. Yeah. got that in there. Good. For those of you keeping notes at home... It's episode 273. I love that for some reason we have to say it every time. Well, I all, in case you I didn't know, a, last time was 272. That's a lot of, that's a lot of uh, podcasts. That's 273 weeks of podcasts. Hey, how, what's going to be the I like, never get back. what's going to be the 300th episode? What, like what, we I usually do something fun every 100 episodes. Where are we going to do this? I time? think somebody out there who is uh, involved in baking or cooking of some variety should uh, take that upon themselves as an opportunity. So to, you have, show, to show your appreciation. You have, <laughs> Sorry. You, you have 27 weeks to plan something. Let us know. Something delicious. What the plan is. And uh, 300. We'll go from there. Are we going to film that one again? We filmed one and yeah, 200. Let's not. No, you're done with the filming. No, no we have uh, we have a wonderful voices, faces for radio. Yeah, I was just going to say we're, hmm. we're radio faces. Jonathan, it is good to have you here today. Thanks for coming along. Well, my pleasure. You, you've insignificantly increased the ginger factor in, t- in the room right now. We are sitting at about 25%. <laughs> yep. And so we're looking forward to some of that, some of that ginger wit. Some of that, wow, ginger flair, ginger temper. That's about all I got to offer. So I, I have at least one worship-related question that was sent in, and then I'm sure these guys are going to have some questions for you as well. Should we start oh with the is one this that an interrogation? Was sent in? no, the, first, the first one that I have for you is that, yeah, is the, okay, we, oh. in all honesty, I, I played oh, no. that song because it's, it's um, look, it's, it's indicative of, a, that one's a really bad one, okay? Because yeah. uh, the song just repeats over and over again, and it sounds very much like someone spinning in the, spinning in the field with their arms outstretched singing about their love for their girlfriend, mm-hmm. but applying it to the Holy Spirit. Uh, you seem to take issue with that. Do you not love the Holy Spirit? Well, that's exactly it. And then there are other songs. Seriously, no, there, there it, are other songs yeah. that, that uh, there was one out a while ago on the radio that I heard my kids sort of liked until I put a stop to that. <laughs> not much like that. Well, uh, it's that one where it, have you, uh, how's it go? Uh, I can't. I can't. I can't I, remember. I, I, I love know. the way you hold me. Oh, oh, that in one. your arms. I'm always gonna be. Yeah, but something well, like that. that basically, You're just a meanie. It's not helpful. No, it's just, that's like sixty percent of the songs that come out nowadays. It's kind of depressing. So I have two questions for you. Number one, why do you have an issue with those? And number two, uh, 
what is cause it like what's going on in the Christian subculture to lead people to write music that way? You're a musician. You like yeah. to write music. I'm so. not very good at it, but yeah. Um, no, I, I think that there's a, there's a, well, there's a spectrum obviously when it comes to the, um, when it comes to how you view, well, how you view faith in general, there's, a, there's, there's the intellectual extreme where it's all just a, it's a mind practice. And then there's the emotional, um, heart side of, of faith. Obviously healthy faith finds its balance in the middle. What I find is that so many, so many songwriters and so many Christians, um, their faith is built on an emotional experience. Uh, and, and these songs kind of best exemplify and typify that experience. So is that a bad thing to have your well, faith? No, obviously emotion is important. Emotion is critical in, in, in your faith. I mean, I'm an emotional person, but where your emotion is rooted is really important. It, does that make sense? Where yeah. your emotion is rooted? Uh, so, so I actually wrote a blog recently. Um, I called the blog. You wrote a blog? I wrote a blog. I didn't publish or put it anywhere because I felt like... <laughs> so well, if there's a no. blog so, that hasn't been published... Yeah, I, wrote, I, I just we, wrote on a piece of paper. We call that a diary. Yeah, I wrote a diary. <laughs> I wrote a diary entry. Well, no, I wrote it Dear with the... blog. In, I wrote it with the intent to publish it. We used to write blogs for, for, our, for, on, for the web, the North Remember page, that? It was a while ago. Remember when we blogged? You could yeah. still post it on our okay. web page. See, my problem was it was it was a little prickly. Okay, um, so tell us the so content of it. Basically, basically, I, we treat. I called the blog uh, "Boyfriend Jesus," and basically, the idea is that so many of us, when we when we sing songs, what we, what we sing could basically be interchanged with any typical love song. There's some really, really poor songwriting. Really poor songwriting. Like, I'm not. I'm, I don't know if I'm, I should get into specifics but basically or there's songs you can sing that if 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 you took it out of the church context you more or less could sing that to a boy or a girl come on man give us a song i love the way you hold me yeah well in your arms i'll always and then there's some that are even like borderline inappropriate i love you make everything special and i was thinking that hurts man that's one of my favorite songs it's unbelievable no seriously that is a song that you could he's right you could Mm. lift that out or this song that i just played I'm he in love. replaced the word Holy Spirit with, uh, with, I don't know, uh, your wife's name. Yeah, you could take it and and easily do it. My, my, here's my here's my issue. Before you jump into your blog, yeah. my issue with this is that there, the kind of love that we are talking about when we talk about God is is not erotic. Exactly. In the sense that it's uh, that that it's a romantic kind of uh, description, like. And I understand why it is that people write that because the it, the most intense love that we sometimes feel is that romance feel, yes. and I'm I'm just saying that the love that I have for Jesus is far deeper than any romantic love. I love I love Jesus on on a more serious level, a more committed, yeah. long term like level, and to convey him as if he's my boyfriend or that kind of thing doesn't just turn men off which of course it does but it it it's also it it also doesn't convey the depth and richness of the love that we have for God yeah. Uh, it yeah and even the other way around like like God doesn't God doesn't like romantically love you he doesn't want to date you that's I, that's not a biblical idea anyway never God doesn't eros the 
that that's the Greek word for like romantic love. He doesn't eros you. He agapes you. Like he has a self-sacrificial love or even like a brother. There's a brotherly love we have for one another, but it's not the it's a Greek word phileo in the yeah, use of God the, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But not the, not the erotic one, right? The mm. eros. Mm. Yeah. And yet our songs, because in English we only have one word for love, our, our songs kind of, they, they get really gray. But the Christian church has struggled with this. It's not just now. Oh, no. it, like if you read back in the history of interpretation of the book of the song, song of Solomon, for example, mm. The church has often interpreted that that to be God's love for Israel. Sure. Or people present day, God's love for his church, which, by the way, it is not talking right. that way. What it's talking about is a man's love for his woman, yep. his wife. And I'm telling you that, that the language that's used there is is veiled language regarding physical body parts at place places, right? And I could even read you texts and you could some less so like, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's not talking, but the church has struggled with this mm-hmm. because we want to express some kind of, we want to express the depth of love that we have for God and the depth of love that he has for us. And so we appeal quite often to romantic notions and that conditions, that image conditions our actual discipleship. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear you saying. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Uh, yeah, it, it, it I, yeah, it's kind of. So you wish it would stop. It irks me. It it just irks me. I mean, so the, let me preface this again. I've I've spoken to a lot of people who aren't bothered by it. The vast majority of people who aren't bothered by the romantic language in our songs generally, as a generalization, have been raised in the church and are used to that kind of mm. language. Whether or not they get it or not doesn't really matter. They're just used to that kind of language. But the vast majority of people who are new to the church <laughs> hear the songs that we're singing about being romanced by God and God, like, you know, us having an encounter in the secret, in the quiet place with God, where he wants to touch us in the secret, quiet place. And they, they listen to that and they're like, I'm sorry, what? No, it, 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 culturally, is, culturally, it conveys something that we don't, that you don't intend. No, not right? at all. Yeah. Uh, and I, don't, I just don't think... I, I just don't think that kind of language is, is what, I don't think it's helpful. I think it's just confusing, mm. especially for, for, I mean, especially for guys. But you're not against emotions. Not against emotions. No, I, I think that when, when you, like, uh, and I've told this to our worship teams all the time, like when, when the truth and the, when the, the, when the truth of the gospel and the love of God, when you understand that, there is a, a visceral emotional response that should take place. It just involves, sounds different that, than I'm in love. I'm in, it's just not that. That's not what, that's not the response that comes to my mind. Hmm. The emotional response. Do you know what I mean? I do know. I do know what you mean. Hmm. The thing is though, is I also know that you, if you had a wish for our church, I think that I mean, I've heard you express before that you wish that people would be more um, physically demonstrative in their worship totally. in the church and yep. were willing to express themselves. I think it's important. I really do. I think that, again, if you understand the gospel, that the, the goodness of the gospel, what God has done for you, like, I don't understand how you can stand there and cross your arms. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't get it. How, how do you, how? Unless you just, uh, unless you're, I think that people, when they come to church, are just feel. I mean, honestly, I think people, when they attend a a local church, it's usually on a Sunday morning. They show up with uh, thoughts of the pancakes they either are going to eat or just ate, and how difficult it was to get the kids kids. out of the house. And 
if you're if you're single, you know who is in the room mm. and is that guy I like or a girl? Is, are they here today? Sure, that that sort of stuff. So that you, our minds are are occupied by the stuff of life, not yeah. necessarily by thoughts of the gospel. Yep. I do think we probably would be better served if we started on Sunday mornings with at least you know those of us who are coming to church instead of hurrying. Maybe take just five minutes and read a, a scripture text and just be just give ourselves to thanksgiving yeah. just prepare yourself right prepare yourself yep. for the gathered community i mean our services don't last long if they were all day yeah we could kind of take our time you know getting hmm. mentally and mo- emotionally prepared but like i think it's important to come to church ready ready to worship ready, ready to be together ready to hear from the word if you don't come ready you're like the first the first 10 minutes just ends up being kind of like a warm up and you miss out on yeah mm-hmm. really engaging i don't know but you find um, you find that that the response that people have after the sermon, which is you know, so we we take you into the scriptures yeah. and we talk to you about the gospel and about God's plans and uh, mm-hmm. what He's doing in the world and how that applies to your life. We talk about all those sorts of things. You find that the singing after oh, the sermon is always. different. Yeah, always. It's it's it's. I don't know. It's kind of funny being on the other side mm-hmm. and getting to to. To people watch, not that I'm people watching when I'm worship leading, but you know, you you notice. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you've said this when you're preaching. You notice how people are responding. You mm-hmm. notice when they're staring at you and you feel like a dancing monkey, and then you notice when people are into it and people are engaged. And yeah, after, I mean, very very rarely after a sermon are people standing just kind of. Yeah, people people have heard. They've heard the word. They've they've had an encounter, and and then they're ready to emotionally respond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is always, as a worship leader, that that's 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 the dream. When people mm. are ready to respond, and you strum your chord, and people are ready to go, like, oh, that's yeah. Have you ever had people go to other churches and come back and say the other church is different in the sense that oh, they all they're all responding and stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like no. I've had people go away and say, "Oh, I, the worship at that other church is is this way, and and it's so great because." They're reflecting on how engaged everybody is. Hmm. Part of the reason I asked the question is it seems it seems to me that that's the issue in the end that you that it's just it's just a matter of engagement. Like it's not it it doesn't have to do with the 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 way the drums are being played, although they can be helpful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to do with the way the guitar is playing, even though that can be helpful. It really ultimately um, the worship in a local church comes down to how how people are going to engage or not. Like it, so, yeah. if the entire body of Northview decided to come to church and to reflect on the gospel and respond. I'll tell you what, we'd be louder oh, yeah. than we are. And I, we'd probably be a lot more um, effusive, physically effusive in our yep. praise to God. Yep. The fact that we're not is probably evidence that we haven't really thought about it very much. Or maybe it's our tradition, mm-hmm. too. I understand sure. that. Yeah, yeah. No, and, tr- and historically, the, I mean, Mennonites have not been a very expressive people group. Um, so yeah. And, and you're a Mennonite too, I am, I saying am. that like you, I am a Mennonite. Giesbrecht. Oh yeah. Full blue blood, full, full blooded. Yeah. So, and, and, and the reality is, is like, I mean, so, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the Mennonite heritage, we've, we've, if you've studied Mennonite history, there's a, there's a kind Been of a, to the museum. Yeah. Right. So you basically know everything. Oh. Um, <laughs> 
It's actually kind of cool. I like that museum anyway. But that's oh, there's a shout out for the Mennonite yeah. Museum. Hala Mennonite Museum. Um, no, one of the things that happened in the Mennonite movement is that is that Pietist movement, right? Mm-hmm. Where the MB that's where the MB Church really found its its starting point, because to be a Mennonite before that movement was kind of almost a, a, as much a cultural thing as it was a religious thing. So for me personally, it doesn't really surprise me that historically Mennonites weren't very engaged because most most Mennonites weren't very engaged with their faith. It was mm-hmm. a cultural, familial mm-hmm. faith as opposed to a personal understanding of the gospel and responding, right? So right. anyway, we're going on a couple of tangents No, I just here. think it, I think it's interesting. It's good yep. to hear you talk about it. I have another question from a listener that has to do with worship. Uh, oh, this is an interrogation. Christian music, all that good stuff, and then we'll get into another topic that probably doesn't have to do with all of this. Here's a question. When we ask for fire in our worship songs, <laughs> is that a good thing? What does fire. the fire symbolize? Oh, yeah. Fire! So that's, that's yeah. I take, yeah, so it, I'll show my cards now, and then I'll show how I get there. I think it's a, for me personally, the fire imagery is a little... I take more issue with, with the boyfriend imagery than the fire imagery. I think that the fire imagery, what it's trying to pull at, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what it's trying to pull at is either the idea of fire representing like a, a, a burning passion, which is more our cultural take on when we say like, you know, my heart's on fire for something. Mm-hmm. Like you get it. You get what I mean. It's like extremely passionate for something. And I think people try to couch it that it's a biblical idea based off of like the Acts 2 where you have the tongues of fire come down mm. on the on the disciples. So it's like, oh, fire's a good thing. It's a biblical image and it means passion. So you've kind of morphed these two metaphors or image images and you've kind of put it into a song now. And so now mm. anything can burn and it's actually a good thing. Mm. And it's, it's actually, it's consuming kind of funny. Consuming fire. Consuming, well, yeah, consuming fire I think is referencing the Old Testament. Consuming fire, fan into flame, passion a passion for, for your name. We haven't sang that in a while. No. But Maybe see, the you consuming should branch fire, out from the six songs that you always play. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> We're going to no, get some con- emails. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know, for real. <laughs> Tell him more. We need a li- minimum eight. No, I think the consuming fire is actually referencing the Old Testament idea, which I actually think that one, that one I don't think we sing correctly. Because the consuming fire in the Old Testament was like, a, it was a judgment fire. Well, that language like, actually comes from Hebrews. And in, Deuteron- in, well, the, right, in, in yes. the New Testament, it comes from Hebrews, mm-hmm. right? The Lord is a consuming fire. So like, it, and it is a judgment. It is image, a judgment right? fire. Yeah. Right. Referencing, the like the, referencing what went ahead of Israel, like to judge the lands ahead of Israel, right? right? In Deuteronomy. And the other, but a lot of people will use the language as a cleansing, a cleansing fire, yeah. uh, which by the way, the scriptures actually have an yep. image like that in second Peter three, that, the uh, that they actually, I, that's what I believe God's going to bring fire upon the earth. He's mm. going to be a cleansing fire, but it's also a fire judgment in that mm. context as well. It's just, it's going to mm. judge in the same way that the water judged in the days of Noah. Yeah. But, uh, there are those who have interpreted, uh, Jesus words. I want to say in, is it Matthew or Mark where he, where, where John the Baptist said that he will, uh, the winnowing fork is in his hand. Mm. And am I right about that? Do you know which text I am? Nobody's even looking it up right now. So it doesn't matter. Sorry, Jeff, did you say something? I said something about the Bible, Andy. It'd be great if you put your book down there for a minute. I'm looking at you, man. Are you, you just re- revisiting some here. of your own words there? Yeah. 
No, there's a passage where Matthew John the Baptist, three. do you know the actual text? It's in Matthew 3. The winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. So there are people who take that text to be a positive thing. Yeah. They're going to burn up the two things that Jesus is going to do is he's going to, uh, what was the first one? The, is it the winnowing fork is in his hand? Um, Did you already get rid of it? I already got rid of it. You just closed it down. Okay. The winning fork is in his hand, and they take that last phrase of fire to be a positive thing. But the context of the passage sure seems to be no. What Jesus is going to do is gathering his wheat in the barn. Yeah, he's going to gather those who are his, and he is going to like judge Hmm. the rest. That's the way the language seems to be working. But they they take it to be uh, as as a as a positive thing. So I've actually heard people pray along the lines of that text inviting God's fire in so that it would mm. it would burn up the dross or burn up the chaff or burn up you know what I mean? In yeah. their in their life. What they mean is yeah. in their life. So Exactly. I mean their intent is 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 right, but it's not it's not necessarily the way the scriptures talk. Fire is a fire is an image for judgment yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. And so when we ask for the fire, oh we want more fire, or we name our church after the fire, it it, it is not necessarily people don't do it with an eye toward maybe a right biblical reading they do it because they're trying to convey something about how they want they want god to make them pure yeah 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 and i think yeah i think like nine times out of ten when fire is used in a song it's kind of it's probably not the best image or they're accessing an image a biblical image that doesn't mean exactly what they Mm. what they think it means of course and yeah there's songs like uh you know uh build your kingdom here uh set your church on fire win this nation back so on one hand yes okay purify your church, make us holy. On the other hand, again, this comes to, you know, new people come into our church doors and they hear us and we sound like a bunch of pyromaniacs. <laughs> yeah, but they, I think they understand the language. I, I actually so. think that they understand so. the language yeah. of fire more as a, uh, as a passion thing as they, yeah. than they would a judgment thing. Yes, which yeah. is why I take less issue with the fire image as opposed to something like the boyfriend image. Hmm. What if you combine them wow. and you set your boyfriend on fire? <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> Would that be? That's an option. Well, I'm just wondering if that would be the mm. kind of song that you would like people to submit to you. You know, I think uh, <laughs> we're going to do that. We're going to okay. we're going to go into a songwriting session after this, and and it'll be it'll be glorious. Can I just bring up a quick beef here? Yes. Anyway, more. Why not? Beef away, man. Let me do that. Uh, one of the things that, that can frustrate me is is I get it when there can be you know frustration over modern you know worship music and is it conveying. Uh, a message that a is biblical but at the same time there's this also this this challenge okay but is it also conveying the um the worship of my heart as well right i mean is it meaningful to me mm-hmm. uh one of the things though that i so here's here's where my beef comes in is i get that whole struggle but i i feel like with a lot of christians they'll think well listen i know how to solve this problem you just got to go back because there's those old songs, and those mm. old ones all got their theology what right. What you need to do is raise your Ebenezer. Exactly. Here. Exactly. If you Here raid- you raise your Ebenezer. Hither by his help you'll come. And, and so I have two two concerns here. One is, I have I can't tell you the number of hymns I've sung, sung that I have theological issue with. And two, that I have no idea what they're even saying. Well, right. especially in my, that's why I bring up the Ebenezer, yeah, right? right? I mean, people are like, I didn't know Scrooge was alive then. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, but the, there's language that we use all the time, right? Yeah, because um, some people think you can get away from this whole contemporary yeah. worship challenges by just going back. Well, no, you can't. Yeah, that same song, Let Your Goodness Like a Fetter, mm. Bind My Wandering Heart to Thee. Have you guys been uh, you've been uh, using the fetters lately, have you? You know, I, fetters I upgraded. Are us. But I mean, you're right in that sense. Yeah. And that's why some people try to change the language of those songs. We still sing some of the older versions because uh, they actually are far more poetic than mm-hmm. some of the modern ones. But yeah, you make a good point. This is one of the challenges with worship music, right? You want to yeah. you want to judge them by the intent that people have. My only my only caveat or change to that is that actually I, I believe that the church's theology is mm-hmm. is formed by its its yeah. hymnody, it, by by what we mm-hmm. sing, because yeah. it gets in your head, right? Yeah. And that's what I say to that's what I say to our worship leaders when they're picking songs. I'm like, you know, Jeff Jeff can preach great, mm. but like a week later, ask for what ask people what his points were, and yeah. they might struggle to come up with one. They might. I mean, if there was a, if they, you know, are really diligent keeping notes, whatever, they might be able to, they might be able to rattle off your points. Right. But they'll probably be able to recite an entire chorus. Yeah. Well, they'll sing it. Like word for a word. Ca- a catchy tune yeah. will just get in their heads and recite it. And so the way that God is spoken of in those things is very formative. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's sort of cyclical, right? I mean, it feeds on, feeds in on itself. Yeah. I mean, that you have people who are formed by a particular image of God, and then they write songs about that, and that reinforces those images back to the church so that we write more songs about it. And so unfortunately, I don't want to lay it, worship music, the cha- you know, the, the fault of all the problems of the church, but it is complete. I mean, we mm-hmm. are complicit in some of the stuff that we've written, the way we've talked about God, there was a yeah. period there where we are not very declarative about him, that a lot of the, the songs that we were singing were a lot of eyes and me's and that sort of stuff, which, you know, is, is great. Like Andy, she said, they, it touches the heart, right? Yeah. Um, I need you, Lord, I need you, which mm-hmm. is a lovely song, I think. And it conveys something really deep in all of us, mm-hmm. right? People then, raise their hands on that one. Yeah. But, but, this is where the challenge lies as well as well that some th- songs are going to be more meaningful you to you than another person for example mm. uh jonathan and i disagree on the song good good father mm. he hates it i love it and uh and for me having grown up with no dad and right. in a broken family the song good good father speaks to me even that he's saying good good twice right Get me get three times. I think we'll have a Trinity. You know, like for me, it speaks volumes to me. So I, I love that song. But I get the fact that you know Jonathan. So if you that, said good, 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 Father, you'd uh, be talking about the Trinity. Yeah, it's all what? even all the better. No, just oh, Andy. No, no, I'm just joking. But some people don't like that he says good, good twice. Right? Uh, that's not my issue with it. But no, I know yeah. that's not your issue. Your issue is. So when he talks about, you know, speaking to you in the dead of night. And, yeah, and no, it's, no, it's not speaking to It's the tender whisper of love. Right, in, in the, the dead, dead of night. night. Right. And, I, a tender whisper of love in the dead of night. I just... I, I don't love the... He doesn't love the imagery. It's... Right. it's yeah. But I, I think that's... Isn't that part of the challenge, though, that some songs mm-hmm. are going to be more meaningful to certain people given their situation than others? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I just think that... Uh, I would love us to take the images that scripture uses and sing about them and try yeah. to convey God in his fullness according to the images that he gives us yeah. to, to talk about it. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, I mean, I, I don't want to put big pity party up, but it is hard. It is hard for worship leaders. You know, a lot of our, I know, right? Oh, no, whatever. It's really hard. But it's hard know. for our worship leaders because you, you, you have, you're, you're, you're taking into uh, account the, the people who come to your services and you have to kind of find a balance. You have to find a balance of songs that are going to touch 
touch the heart. Lord, I need you. But also be declarative about who God is and also be theologically like astute and robust. And yet you want to also have songs that are simple that children can sing along to, right? And, you know, all this Ebenezer and fetters and stuff that they won't be like, what on earth is this? Yeah. Or keys that people can sing so, along to. Right, Jonathan, and also musical keys. Let yeah. us affirm yeah. you. Well, let me affirm you. You do a great job. You, you actually do, do, oh, well, you do a wonderful job at you. finding, striking that balance. And we're thankful for you. On the flip side, um, I don't know how it is that you work full time and only choose like six songs every week. <laughs> and could we get a little more <laughs> like, good, good father? Why do you have, do you have to sit in meetings all day for that? Uh, you know, Greg, maybe, you maybe have, if we just shortened your sermon to like 10 minutes uh-huh. and then we could do like then 10 we could songs. S- sing 10 songs and you could just have a, like sing the same, same 10 rotation songs. of 12. Every week. <laughs> Unbelievable. But make sure you show up early so you can practice them for oh. the 30,000th time. <laughs> okay. So how many, how many songs would your worship teams have on their, their roster? that you work through. Okay. So that's actually a good, a good Thank question. You. So Thank you, John. a lot of churches we go to, you might need I've to use visited. both hands to count these. It is worth you no, being here, Greg. It I, is. I was wondering that yeah. earlier. A lot of churches we go to actually what they'll do in order to maintain a, a, a certain level of quality is they'll actually have a, a repertoire of something like 15 to 20 songs. And they'll only do those 15 to 20 songs in a rotation. What that means is those 15 to 20 songs are like, on point the band is tight it's professional they hardly have to practice and then what they'll do is they'll take out one song and add a new song Mm. over time right but it's still always just that pool we have our pool of songs we we pick from is huge uh we we have you know old hymns all the way to the those you know songs from like the 90s 2000s kind of you all know what i'm talking about the classics borderline hymns but like do Not we still hymns. have "Open the Eyes of My Heart," Lord? Is we that have still that on, on our. Yeah, we, well, it's it is there. Yeah. So, and then we have a Remember lot of we have a lot oh, yeah. of new songs. We have the complete works of Brian Dirksen on file <laughs> for real. We do. So no, like the the truth is, we have a lot of songs <laughs> that are in our repertoire. Okay. So, so can I, is, is good good father on that? I'm going to ask you a quick it question. I would like all of us to answer this. Okay. okay? At great risk of getting emails oh, uh, from boy. the six people who listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, what is oh, your, seven. My, although, wife, my wife will listen now because I'm on this one. <laughs> although the correlation between people who listen to this and people who care about worship music yeah, yeah. is probably one to one. Okay, so h- here we go. Um, I want your favorite oh, song. Uh, Andy, cr- like worship song, Andy. Oh, like he's writing, he's writing back in Come black on. down. Stop. We have 500 <laughs> worship song, and then I want your least favorite mm. worship song. All right, favorite, Greg. Before the throne of God above, Ooh, that's a good one. We sang it at our wedding, and it was. I've always loved that song, Andy. Oh, so I'm doing my favorite first. Were you not listening just a second ago? Well, I was thought that... we were going to do both. Like first, well, your we favorite, were, but then like you... we decided to do the the favorite first. All right, fine. Uh, well, like I said, I like Good Good Father. Really, that's like the number one. Well, all time, like right now, it, you could see, pick number... any song from any time. Good Good Father is the answer to the that question. The number one, you know, changes on me. It's not. Oh, it's not a consistent. Jonathan, you do realize that like, you're like killing him by not playing that song. Yeah, I know. He's in West Court. It's not a big deal. Okay, <laughs> what do you, Jonathan? Oh, I don't know. I that's hard. Really? Uh, you can't pick one? I'm, I'm having a tough time. I think... This is this is why it's a full-time job for you. This is why it's a full-time job. Just I'm just stare. like, how do I pick? No, I think one of my favorites... I mean, I'm I'm, I'm kind of 
the newer ones that we're starting to do, I really like. So I, it's one of the reasons why I'm doing them because I really like them. Okay, so like one. one like a thousand tongues, I really really am liking that song. One that I've actually liked for a while is I Will Follow. I really like that one too. Yeah, John Guero. John Guero. 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 Yeah, it's a very good song. Great tune. Great tune. No, the answer is Psalm 62. Like Aaron Keys. Yeah, that is a good tune. Okay. I can't remember how it goes right now. My soul finds rest in God. That's what it is. It's a great song. Hmm. Um, Least favorite song, Greg. Um, My least favorite line of songs is when heaven meets earth like a wet sloppy kiss sloppy wet kiss sloppy yeah. wet kiss uh, how you can he just loves... change it to unforeseen kiss yeah, yeah. how he the, loves the, it doesn't David matter David Crowder man David Crowder how dare you <laughs> no I think David Crowder is the unforeseen kiss it's John Mark McMillan who did the sloppy wet kiss well John Mark McMillan needs to step his game up well, John Mark McMillan is, is a very creative that writer is, well yeah sloppy wet kiss is very creative sloppy yeah. wet writer I can't imagine how he thought of that one <laughs> <laughs> okay Andy <laughs> okay mine uh Listen, you might have to edit this out. I don't know, but it's got to be Gaither's "He Touched Me." <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sorry, but if I'm gonna say that's my, exactly it. My least favorite. That's the one. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, honestly, it's I brutal. think I think you just won the competition. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, Jonathan, this is this isn't good. This is a bad idea for me. Okay, you want to pass? You gonna I'm pass gonna, on it? I'll probably do a, like a cliche. Like um, the one, my least favorite song is probably "Draw Me Close." The lyrics are draw me close to you, never let me go. I lay it all down again oh, to hear yeah, you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. No one else will do. You don't love it. You're all I want. You're all I ever needed. Help me know you are, you are near. What is the secret place one? That's in the secret. Yeah, that's it's not a good one secret. either. That's a well, Dirksen one, isn't it? No, 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 no that's no. a... That's your least favorite. Forget. Is that draw me close, yeah. No. Why Just draw me close. Draw me close is the epitome of a song that if you took all the lyrics and put it in like secular music station it would fit right in hmm. yep. there's absolutely nothing about god okay so the answer is everything done by the gaithers <laughs> you gaithers haters oh, oh, listen, you if you're out there, listen i'm gonna get emails because honestly there are people in our church who go and they listen to the gaither thing we're just gonna have to agree to disagree okay <laughs> i think i'm just not what, a fan what are you playing these are the gaithers me. what are you doing Oh. But listen to those tight harmonies. Is that it? Yeah, man, yep. he touched me. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. I, <laughs> oh, that's it. That's the one. That's the line. Stop. We don't yeah. even hear it. We know what it says. Okay. Can we, can we just get it real that's quick? That's exactly here? it. So why does that bother you? Do I need to explain it? Yes. No, no, you don't. Thank you. <laughs> Right, so we have another question. Uh, Moving on from uh, Jonathan's domination of this podcast with my his idea. personal interests. Wasn't my idea. It, it was an inter- I basically could. No, I'm glad you. It was All an right. interrogation. One last question. Uh, this one was sent in uh, just this past week, and the question has to do with how. Uh, what is like a, a baseline measurement for what it looks like to be a man of God? The, the, the questioner was asking this question because the the motivation behind it was they, they see all these examples in, in culture and stuff of what a man looks like. And it's pretty, you know, the man's man of hunting, camping, well, all that kind of stuff. That's so, the answer, right? So how do a we, manly man. how do we help people, men in particular, get an understanding of what a, a man of God looks like that doesn't just appeal to like shooting wild animals. So can I take a step back for a minute and make a cultural comment? 
Yeah. That Andy got a chance to make his his rant for a minute. This right. is this was a rant Fair that enough. might actually get me offside with uh, some people, perhaps. Uh, I actually think that the Christian church is in some way complicit for uh, unintentionally pushing some young men toward homosexuality and transgenderism. And mm. you, that might sound crazy, but I, what I mean by that is we have defined manhood in such narrow terms that what if I don't fit in it, if I grow up and I'm a little more effeminate, or if I grow up and I like art, or if I grow up and I at some point, you know prefer the company of women uh, all of a sudden I, I have broken some manhood like instead of sitting around watching like a professional uh, football game drinking beer and farting the Bundys I, I somehow have broken some cardinal rule regarding what it means to be a man and so I start thinking to myself especially in a culture like ours today mm-hmm. maybe I'm not a man maybe actually what I am is a woman trapped in a man's body or maybe I maybe I actually because I like women I'm more like them and maybe I'm not going to be transgendered but I'm going to be to fit that kind of effeminate uh, homosexual stereotype in some regards and so people end up slotting into it now you might hear me as saying that I there are all sorts of discussions to be had regarding uh, whether somebody is born with a proclivity toward that stuff and other I'm not in any way denying that that is the case in many cases. I think we also recognize that there is an aspect of nurture in these things, right? So there is a nature and there is a nurture in these things. And I think the Christian church, because we have limited what manhood looks like, there's a lot of men who don't feel like they belong, and then they get a hearing from other subcultures around, and they end up pushing themselves into other things. Now, I'm speaking because I know men who have done that. I I actually know some women because they don't understand what what woman womanhood is maybe they're a little bit more uh, masculine in their approach to to their to their demeanor so all of a sudden someone calls them butch when they're when they're 13 years old and they they end up thinking that that's the truth about them when when it might be or might not be right uh so i i hope you understand what i'm saying i hear you i think that this issue is bigger culturally than actually we think right absolutely it is so you can and hear from my comments that I actually believe that manhood is a very broad category. So is, so is womanhood is a very mm. broad category that the D- things that you're going to show in a man isn't necessarily that you like to uh, hunt and fish and shoot stuff and fart or whatever, that I actually think that being, being a man is uh, much, much wider than that. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say then, uh, Jeff, and this is something I wanted to bring up as well, is that I think people they missed the adjective part of this whole thing, you know, cause what we're asking, you'll, you'll hear often people, well, what does it mean to be a man? But it seems like in particularly this listener is asking the question, what does it mean to be a godly man? Uh, you know, and now we're talking about something different here that, you know, you read in Genesis, right? God, God made male and female. And there are different aspects of what that means to be a male and female. We could talk about that biologically. There's difference between a man and a woman. And there are different uh, roles between men and women. As much as I want to bear children, that's not going to happen. You know, and as much as I'd love my kids to view me in the way that they view their mom, that's that's not going to happen, right? Um, Now, there's this other category, though, of what it means to be a godly man. I'll stop there because I think... I'm just going to read the text. To be honest, when you talk about godly men, I I think that 
when, when you go to the scriptures, there is a, when Paul is describing the qualifications for elder, that's what he's doing. He's basically saying, okay, what, are the, what is the bare minimum that should be evident in, in the lives of the leaders in your church, right? And, yeah. in, and in Paul's view, he's referring to men. That's right. Okay? So, so he, he, he describes what that looks like. And so you get a passage like 1 Peter 3, the saying is trust, first, sorry, Timothy 3, saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be, it's a, it's a necessary thing for them to be above reproach, husband of one wife. That, by the way, that doesn't mean that he, a, a godly man needs to be married. It means that if he's married, he has only eyes for his wife. Right, the husband, He's a one-woman man is the way the Greek reads there. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, okay? Self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. By the way, doesn't the self-controlled, I mean, the culture's viewpoint on manlyhood, manliness, is not self-controlled. Yeah, right. It's given yourself over to every kind of excess, whether that be porn, whether that be alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, dude. Just, just experience all your manly desires. Self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, meaning if you qualify that by Titus 1, that you know, you know your doctrine. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, which is, I mean, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I think about that in relation to the way that our culture views the guys. You know, if you want to be a real guy, you dress in camo and shoot stuff. Yeah. Not that it's anything wrong with going out hunting. I don't have a problem with that. But I, to, to extend that image over the whole of your life, right, that you're kind of careless and inhospitable to people, right? Hard. Mm. I'm a hard man. Especially, I used to live in New Zealand. That was the way that they, every guy had to be a hard. He's hard. He's a hard man. As if that's a really good thing. Well, biblically, it's, it's actually not. Mm. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, mm. not a lover of money. <laughs> Dude, sorry. A lot of us love money. Uh, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. To, to, we can add on to that too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, without a doubt. That, uh, in Titus chapter 2, uh, Paul goes on in verse 6 to talk about, okay, speaking to young men, he says, Likewise, urge young men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves to be, show yourself in all respect to be a model of good works, and in your teaching mm. show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that uh, cannot be condemned so that your opponent may be put to shame. Right. This is what a godly man looks like. Right. Right? Th- this is... It's not, it's not the tone of your voice. It's not how you carry yourself or whether or not you like art or whether or not you, you, pref- you prefer the color pink to other colors. It has nothing to do with it. Right. These character twi- traits are the things that mark men, mm. godly Christian men. Hospitable is an interesting one on that list, too, from a, mm. just a cultural perspective. And, and some people might want to attribute that more to the feminine side, that, that the, the guys are the more hard-edged ones. They're, they're not the super welcoming ones. They're the ones who are going to do the, the bad cop stuff, mm-hmm. but not the hospitable stuff, not the like open up their, their home and their time and their energy serving people rather than just sitting on the couch and expecting to be served but they're the ones getting up and well think about the young the food think about the way we the, i mean my my kids are in in like junior high high school age now right and uh, you see the you, you see they they haven't learned yet to hide their man their their uh 
I don't know how to say that. They're raw in the way that they, they're barbarians. Well, they're <laughs> raw in the way that they they act culturally, right? Yeah. Right. So here they've they've learned from the culture certain ways of acting, and they just they just do them. So if you go and you look at pictures, for example, of of boys basketball, volleyball, soccer, whatever teams, just look at the photos of the guys. There will not be a single one smiling, mm. right? They stand there with their hands behind their back and their chest puffed out and their chin sort of tucked back in their necks. And they look, they kind of look down the bridge of their noses at the camera. And the idea is don't mess with me, right? And this is the way that if you walk into the schools, a lot of the guys will carry themselves as they walk by you. It's this sort of like stand up straight, hard, again, hard, inhospitable approach, which is not what scriptures call us to. It's, they actually call us to a welcoming, you know, not, not, not preening. You're not trying to prove that you're the baddest dog on the block and make everybody f- afraid of you. You're actually trying to welcome people in. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a very different approach. Mm. Good. Any other comments on that, that question from our listener? Yeah, one more. I am the baddest dog on the block. <laughs> Yeah. Like you're, you guys know that though, right? I heard you're pretty rough and tumble. Thanks, I appreciate. We appreciate that. that well, tip. I didn't want you to get the wrong idea that all of a sudden talking hospitable and stuff that you guys would feel like, Welcome you know, you or could. Anything? Well, that you could Heaven mess forbid. with me because no, you're a hospital. We sit. A, Paul Siemens and I sit across from you, and regularly you'll eat things like coconut clusters, <laughs> and you'll say things like, "Would you like one?" <laughs> It's actually cashew clusters that I mean. What did I say? Yeah, coconut. Although, oh, sorry. Would that I was going to tell good. you if there were coconut clusters there, <laughs> I would be eating that them. That would be fantastic. Anyone out there who... Kirkland, get on it. Does, do, in Canada, those of you, you, can, you Canadian boys here, can, do, do you guys have the Girl Scouts here? Yeah. Girl Scout cookies? Yeah. Do you guys know these... Uh, what are the, the they came Girl to my Scout, house The yesterday. Girl Scout macaroons. What are they called? Samoas. <gasps> my goodness. That's what we need. We need some people who are linked in with the Girl Scouts to hook us up with Samoas. They're unbelievable. All right. You've heard it, people. Why can't they have chocolate and uh, coconut on top of them? What's your preferred? Is it just one kind of? Yeah, they're called Samoas. Some people go for the Thin Mint or whatever they're called on that. But I'm like, no, that's not male enough for me. Sorry, you can't. I'm a, making fun of that because that's he's in love. The he's in love. Was, he's in love. All right, guys, just rub it on your cheek. <clears throat> if you have any uh, questions you want to text, or you can't text us, you can email us extra at northview.org. That'd be great, and uh, we will read your question online at some point. Okay, what are you guys left? Nothing. You've done a great job today, Greg. That's Let me affirm true. you and your I don't work. Think that's true. So glad you're here. Thanks, guys. See you at church. <laughs> <laughs>